Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to my little corner of the internet. This is the Off the Bench podcast. It also happens to be Mailbox Monday. You guys have done a great job of sending me in some fantastic questions and this episode's gonna be chock full of them. Stick around, I think you're gonna be encouraged. All right. Well, you guys are the best. If you want to have your question answered here at the Off the Bench podcast, go ahead and reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Please remember, keep your questions short and sweet and to the point. We would love to air them at Mailbox Monday. Want to let you guys know I have a brand new book coming out. You can pre-order it right now. So it'll be in your mailbox right after September 5th when that book releases and it can be found anywhere the books are sold. You can also obviously go to HeidiStJohn.com and pre-order it there. Pre-orders that come in through my website are also being signed by me. And speaking of the book, uh, I am having a launch party. We're going to have a hoot and holler and good time. And that's happening on Tuesday, the 29th, right here in Battleground, Washington, where I am from. And I will link back to in the show notes today, a registration link for that. The first 25 people at the door that night are going to get a free signed copy of my new book. And again, that book is Mom Strong 365 Everyday Truths for Everyday Moms. It's a 365-day devotional. I think you guys are going to love it. All right, let's jump right into your questions today. Kayla in Iowa is jumping right out of the gate, and she does not understand why I have not condemned other homeschool moms using the curriculum, The Good and the Beautiful. She writes, hi, Heidi, I love all your homeschool perspectives and advice. I've heard you talk about the Mormon-owned Good and Beautiful curriculum. Can you please explain why you support Bible-believing Christians using this Mormon homeschool curriculum? Is it just okay because they don't put the Book of Mormon scripture in their curriculum? I'm surprised by your viewpoint, and I'm trying to understand your rationale. I'd love to hear a homeschool episode on this uh, for Mailbox Monday. All right, Kayla, so your wish is my command. Uh, first of all, I we are called to discernment as believers. And my daughter uses the good and the beautiful with my grandchildren. My oldest grandson is 10 years old. So they are being educated with the good and the beautiful. When Savannah brought it to me, I said, well, let's take a look at it. And so we opened it up and we looked at it. And guess what? It was just good and beautiful. That's That's it. And I would submit to you that it's very likely that you do not know the religious viewpoints of many of the people whose curriculum you buy. And that can include those of you who are using Saxon math. You know, there, there could very well be atheists working for Saxon math. There are lots of people who produce really great curriculum who do not share our biblical worldview. Now, when it comes to the Mormons, and I told this to my daughter, Savannah, the moment I see them pointing kids away from the living God, the moment they start injecting Mormon theology and Mormon doctrine into the good and the beautiful, I'll be out. But I haven't seen that. I have yet to see it. And so if somebody came to my door and they offered me flowers and they were a Jehovah's Witness, I would probably take the flowers. If somebody invited me out to dinner and they had a different perspective than me. I would likely go out to dinner with them. To me, this is about discernment. And so if we were to, you know, I routinely tell you guys, don't buy, don't go uh, give your money to Disney. Disney is on purpose trying to hurt, injure our children. And so I say, find other alternatives. So far, I have not seen anything in the good and the beautiful that has led me to believe that they are leading people astray. Do they share a different 
belief system than I do. Absolutely, they do. And I think they're wrong a hundred different ways, a uh, hundred different ways and twice on Sunday. But I haven't seen anything in the curriculum that is leading children away from the living God. And like I said, if you guys can find it, send it to me and I will change my perspective. But right now, I think we need to be really careful not to become legalistic. We are called to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And I guarantee you that there are other things that you are using. Uh, Someone asked me about the Tuttle Twins the other day. I don't go to the Tuttle Twins for theology. I don't go to them for doctrine or for biblical perspective, but they really helped me understand the Federal Reserve when I read The Creature of Jekyll Island. I love the books that the Tuttle Twins are putting out. I, I, I appreciate very much the work of Angel Studios and other um, uh, organizations that are owned by people who do not share my biblical worldview on who Jesus Christ is and how we get to heaven We know because the Bible teaches us there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The Mormons are very misguided on their theology, and I agree with you on that. But having said that, I don't see anything wrong with the good and the beautiful. And Kayla, I really appreciate you sending that question in. Next question is an anonymous listener in Virginia, and she writes in to say, Heidi, I love your podcast and share it often with friends and family. Well, thank you, anonymous. I appreciate that. My question today is about a biblical response to living with a neighbor who unfortunately has no boundaries. My husband has recently retired from the Marine Corps and we are in a stressful time of transition as a family. New job, new farm, new location, new neighbors. As Christians and as a Marine Corps family, we are always happy to help a neighbor in need. But lately we have a neighbor who is taking advantage of our time and resources and meanwhile, Chores on our own farm are going undone while we work on theirs. My husband is telling me I'm being ungracious and I'm not loving my neighbor. And I'm tired of shouldering the load on our new property on my own while he always says yes and even volunteers me without asking to continually help them out. Am I just being selfish? Well, we know there's a proverb. And what does it say? It says good fences make good neighbors. Well, what is a fence? A fence is a boundary. And I think boundaries are really important. I agree with your husband in that we are called to be salt and light. We're called to love our neighbor. Certainly we are called to be uh, to be examples of Jesus and to be helpful wherever we can be. Having said that, you need to establish a boundary with your neighbor. And so I might be inclined to sit down with my husband and say, hey, what would you think if we went to our neighbors and said, we would love to help you. We're so uh, We're so happy to be able to do it. Here's our availability. We can help you on Saturday morning and Wednesday evening. And that's it. So save up your list for us so that we can get the work done that we need to get done at our own farm. I think that they'll understand that. Again, it kind of goes back to good fences make good neighbors and a fence is nothing more than a boundary. So set up a boundary with your neighbor and uh, you know, speak it to him in love. Talk to your husband about it. And I bet you anything you guys can get this issue resolved. Another anonymous listener in Arizona wrote in to say, Heidi, it's a blessing to listen to your podcast. Thank you. I'm always encouraged. My ninth grader has just started school and is loving the sports program and will soon be starting a Christian athlete club. Do you feel that Christian parents and students who are highly involved, in other words, they attend board meetings, they contact teachers, they volunteer their time, can make public school a safe place for their students? I appreciate your open feedback. Well, here's how I would start anonymous. I've said this many times, Jesus said that you're either for me or you're against me. 
there are two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And so we ask ourselves, has the public school system embraced the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? Now, keep in mind, you know, Jesus said when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. I want you to think about what is coming through the curriculum there. And that is the problem. So this curriculum is teaching wokeness. It's teaching gender ideology. It's teaching critical race theory. And I'm telling you, it's in math. It's in language arts. It's in social studies. It's definitely in science. The theory, and it's just a theory, of evolution. And what has that done? It has set itself up against God, thereby, again, uh, really solidifying what Jesus said, which is you're either for me or you're against me. The public schools have set themselves against the living God. So in that respect, if people say, well, can I make the public school safe for my children? No, I don't think it's possible to make the public school safe for children for all the reasons that I just gave you. However, if you have decided that this is the route that you want to take and you've decided it doesn't bother you what's happening in the public school systems and that your kids are uh, enjoying the sports program and, they, and they're and they going to be in the fellowship of Christian athletes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think you actually have no choice but to be there all the time, to be talking to the to the kids that are hanging out with your kids, to be reviewing the curriculum, to be talking to the teachers, to be a presence there. Uh, that would be a light in what was otherwise a dark place. And so I don't think you can make the public school a safe place for children, but I think you can make it a better place by being there. And absolutely, if you're going to have your kids in the school system, I mean, you guys know my feeling about this. I'm like, get your kids out of these schools. I don't know why we continue to take advantage of this broken, corrupt, wicked system. But if you are going to do it, then yes, I agree with you. You definitely need to be there. Uh, I love this YouTube comment from Charlton's Journey that came in the other day on a podcast that I did called Where There's No Authority, There's Anarchy. And she said, wonderful podcast. I look forward to hearing more on this topic. I've heard from quite a few of you after my series of interviews with my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper. Keep those comments and questions coming. We're enjoying reading them here at the show. By now, you guys know my grave concern for the future of our country that is basically at risk because our public high schools and our universities are pushing communism and socialism as if they were beneficial to the nation. If you want to teach your students how to defend the history of this country, we've got a great opportunity for you. You can learn from a teacher who has founded a college that rivals the Ivy League's an activist who has fought to protect religious freedom, and a lawyer who's argued before the Supreme Court and won. Michael Ferris brings his knowledge and expertise working within the American political and legal systems right into your home in a brand new 30-week course designed for high school students. The lectures are packed with personal stories and thoughtful questions from this seasoned expert, and your students will form a thoughtful stance on the American ideals this country was founded upon and leave with the tools to defend that stance. Pre-enroll by August 15th with the promo code HEIDI to participate in live Q&As with Mike Ferris. Remember, there are co-op and single household options available. This is fully online and it's self-paced. Content for the fall semester releases August 3rd, and Unit 1 is available for free when you create an account at Lumen.com. That's L-U-M. 
H-E-I-D-I-F-I-F-T-E-E-N.com. And don't forget, use the coupon code HEIDI15, that's H-E-I-D-I-1-5, by August 15th to save 15%. Another anonymous listener. Boy, you guys, anonymous is winning today. Uh says, what, what do you do if a family member is incorrectly using homeschooling to hold back their children? For example, the eight-year-old can't read and a 14-year-old doesn't know how to do basic math. I don't know what to do when someone abuses homeschooling. All right, so a couple things come to my mind. First of all, I have met in my lifetime many, many eight-year-olds who are either struggling to read, they are new at reading, they're just, you know, they're just now figuring out that doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, we have set up a standard in our education system, and we've decided that every child who doesn't fit into that particular rubric is somehow mis, uh, miseducated or uneducated. And I don't think that's true at all. And so I don't, it doesn't bother me that there's an eight-year-old that can't read. A 14-year-old, on the other hand, who doesn't know how, how to do basic math, first of all, you're assuming a couple things about these people. You're assuming that they're abusing homeschooling. And you're assuming that they're incorrectly using homeschooling to hold back their children. And so I don't have enough context in the situation to say whether you're right or whether you're wrong. I don't know this family. I don't know if they really are abusing uh, their children in the name of homeschooling. Uh, I actually don't see that very often. Does it happen occasionally? Yes, it does. But I would be uh, curious to know if you know these people. I don't know your relationship with this family member. It sounds like it might be strained to me. But if it's not a strained relationship, I might be saying, hey, I noticed that, um, you know, Brian's having a hard time with his math. I know a wonderful uh, tutor who might be able to help you. Are you guys struggling? Do you need anything? You know, I would ask that way. I I would be loath to attack a family if I if I was just noticing that maybe one of their children was a struggling learner. And that sounds to me like that's what you've got on your hands. It's really hard for me to fathom that they would use homeschooling to intentionally hold back their children. Most parents do not want to hold their children back. They want what's best for them. And so I'm not going to jump to that conclusion with you. I do think it's concerning that a 14-year-old can't do basic math. And so I'd encourage you in the spirit of generosity and in the spirit of truly wanting to help that you ask the Lord, how can I be of help and how can I be of service and then see what the Lord does. I got a, a really wonderful, encouraging letter from Steve in South Carolina, who's been following my ministry for a really long time. And uh, Steve, I just wanted you to know, I read that that letter that you sent in all the way through and it encouraged me to tears just to hear uh, your journey in homeschooling and that of you and your late wife and the uh the encouragement that the Lord has allowed me to be in your life. So thank you for writing that in. I think sometimes, you know, I'm in here day after day after day recording shows and it can feel lonely. You sort of wonder, is anyone listening? I'm recording, you know, by myself. <laughs> and so, and then a lot of times when people write in, you know, they write in, to, you know, just to criticize. And so uh, I'm used to that, by the way, I don't mind. You know, when you when you put yourself out there, like, like I do, then it, that, criticism comes with the territory. It, it just is what it is. But I really do appreciate the notes of encouragement that come in. So thank you, Steve, for sending that in. Shannon in Arizona wants me to know that Neo didn't actually apologize for what he said. And then you sent a link to someone who covered the story and wanted to make sure he got credit for standing firm on his stance. So, hey, Shannon, thank you for that. I watched your video and maybe I didn't make it far enough into the video to see him, you know, 
not actually apologize because I saw the what is it, Twitter or Instagram or whatever where he on social media where he said, hey, you know, after much thought or much, much reflection, it seemed to me like he really was bullied into at least softening his stance. Um, if he hasn't been bullied, then I'm I'm a I'm I'm proud of him, I guess is the right word. What's the right word? Like a mother hen sort of proud of him. Uh, but it looked to me like he was at very at the very least softening his stance, which is what we see from almost every major entertainer out there, because, you know, ESG and the forces that really govern this dark world that the Bible says is groaning under the weight of sin. And we are hearing that groan now from even people that that don't know the Lord who are just trying to uh, say what's right. You know, there are people, by the way, and this kind of goes back to the good and the beautiful uh, moral people, I would call them, who understand. I mean, we were born with a conscience. We know right from wrong. Romans says that we're actually without excuse. All we have to do is look to creation to see that we have a creator. And there are people who I think have, uh, you know, a, a, their conscience is working. They can see that what's happening to our children is wrong. They try to make a stand. They try to say, hey, this is wrong, only to get, you know, shut down by the mainstream media, the legacy media, and certainly that's been the case for a lot of the uh, contemporary artists that we see try to tell the truth about transgenderism, and they are immediately shut down. An anonymous listener in West Virginia wants to leave their small church and find a biblically sound church, but the church is basically guilting them. Uh, the pastor preaches that they're in covenant with them, which I'm like, you know, do 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 do. Come on, dude, that's weird. You, when when you join a church, you're not in covenant with them. <laughs> you're just in, maybe you're in membership with them. I don't know. But it sounds to me like these guys are guilting you uh, tell, and you know that if you leave the church, you're going to be hurt and angry and you don't, you don't want that to happen. But you know that your kids are growing up quickly and you want to be in a church that encourages them to grow in their giftings and to spread the gospel. And uh, she says she feels trapped and, and their gifts aren't being used. And so here, I'm just going to, I just want to set you free. It's actually okay to go. It's okay to go. You know, uh, don't go away mad. Just go. And you can tell your pastor, you know what? We appreciated the years that we've had here. My husband and I are being, are feeling called, or maybe your husband says my wife and I and our family are feeling called to go find another fellowship. But thank you guys so much. And we're praying for you and we bless you. And then just leave. And uh, if they guilt you, that's their fault. You know, I mean, they can only guilt you. They can only send you on a guilt trip if you let them give you the keys. So uh, don't, don't let them do that. All right, Tina in Oklahoma wants to know my thoughts on divorce. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the last podcast that I did with my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper. We talked quite a bit about divorce and when it's oh, when it's permissible. A couple things to understand about divorce right off the bat. God hates it. He's very, very clear about that. There are really two instances where we know that the Bible clearly says that divorce is the appropriate action, and that's adultery and abandonment. Those two things are listed for us in scripture. But as you heard me say, and Pastor Phil say the other day, God says to husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church. If you are being beaten, if you are being uh, verbally abused, if your children are being injured by your husband, you do not need to stay in that relationship. And uh, I think it is spiritual abuse when pastors tell women, you know, or men, because I recognize this, that the, the door swings both ways, right? But I feel that it's spiritual abuse when someone tells a woman to stay in a relationship where they know that the husband is abusing her. That is not God's heart for you. He is a good father. And uh, what good father would want any of their children 
to stay in a relationship where they were being abused and maligned. I, I met a woman years ago who was being sexually assaulted by her husband and the elders in her church said, sorry, you're in a covenant relationship. And because he hasn't committed adultery, you don't have an out. Well, shame on those guys. <laughs> I, I, I just, uh, that husband is sinning against his wife. Whatever happened to husbands, love your wives like Christ, love the church. Well, how did he love the church? He laid down his life for her. It is a sacrificial role that God gives men to be able to lead their families. Leading, a good leader is humble. A good leader leads by example. And so uh, when you write into me and say that you that you feel emotionally and mentally distraught, uh, there's a couple of things that you did say, though, that I want to just clarify. You've said that your husband's not stepping up as a spiritual leader of your home. That's not a reason to divorce your husband. That's not a reason to leave. Uh, you've said that you feel like you do all the spiritual education in your home. That also is not a reason to leave. So um, I want you to think about and pray about. So not knowing your situation I only see that you have alluded to things, but you haven't been specific with me. So I don't know what your situation is. I know that a lot of people leave their spouses because they're unhappy, because my husband's just not the Prince Charming I thought he was going to be. He doesn't have a good job. He's not the provider that I hoped he would be. Um, and those are not reasons for divorce. Divorce is a very serious thing in the eyes of God. It is the breaking of a covenant relationship and that is never to be done lightly. Having said that, if you are listening to this and you are in an abusive relationship and you are truly being abused, God does not expect you to stay in that relationship and it's okay to go. It's okay to go. I wish someone would have said that to uh, to my mother years and years ago when I was growing up. I think it would have made all the difference uh, in the lives of many of my younger siblings. So uh, anyway, uh, that's all I have to say about that. I will link back to some scriptures for you in the show notes today, Tina, but go before the Lord. He'll give you exactly what you need. And really, that's what I'm going to end with today. Uh, God's word was given to us, the Bible says, so that we will know what to do. It helps us with everything pertaining to life and godliness. And we are called to be men and women who know the word of God and who can rightly divide it. The time for lazy Christians is over. We need to be studying the word of God. And having said that, I would love to invite the women who are listening to this to join me at the Faith That Speaks community we're actually going for the whole month of August. We're going through uh, several of the devotionals from my brand new book, and we've written a Bible study component for those. And we want you to join us. It's a wonderful opportunity to be refreshed in the word of God. That study is called Footsteps of Faith for a Life That Flourishes. So you can find out more at faiththatspeaks.com. That's faiththatspeaks.com. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for writing into the show and for leaving reviews for us. It helps other people see the show. And I can't wait to hear what God's doing in your life. Keep those questions coming, you guys. And I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.